I'm Ninja Sista. And I'm Pandalicious. And this is the Ashcast. This is Electric Sisterhood, podcast episode number 618. New Year! Same us. This is Electric Sisterhood, home of the original. The fucking original. Go Gaming, Tech Gadget, and Anime Podcast. I am Ninja Sister. And I'm Pandalicious. Welcome to a brand new episode of our weekly podcast, Panda. Hi. Girl, how you been? I mean, I'm alive, so I'll take hey, that as a win. Winning, that's a big that's a big old W. That's a big old W. You gotta put that in that column and smile. Smile! I know, right? I was trying so hard not to do it. Every time I hear that word now, I'm just like, I got little Duvall in my head just going ham. And that's not always appropriate (laughs) for your situation. That's right. You know, like you do. But it's a brand new year, so it's a brand new us. Actually, not really. We're the same us. Same, Same us, new year. Yeah, yeah. So many things to talk about. So much stuff. I mean, I, I've been kind of, like, all over the place because I, I really spent, like, my New Year's really catching up on all of the streamers that I like to watch and, like, trying to hit up some things in my back catalog, you know, of, of things that I, I wanted to play that I downloaded. So I I think it's clear for many people if they've listened to the podcast ever before. I am an Xbox MVP I have been for a few years. I play all the systems. I don't really love one system more than another, but I do favor my Xbox because there's just a lot that I enjoy on the platform, and I do most of my multiplayer on that platform, and there's just a lot of services over there that I like, and I love my Elite controller. You can't tell me nothing. It's the best controller on the market. Anyway, I use Games Pass, which is their subscription service, which basically gives you access to... Over a hundred games for a fee, you know, it's like 12 bucks a month that you can download and play to your heart's content for as long as they're in the catalog. Most games stay in the catalog for about three months. So it's like perfect because you can play a bunch of, you know, current Xbox One titles as well as Xbox 360 titles. And, you know, for most people, three months is really all you need to get through a game. You know, even if you're only able to play for, you know, a half hour or so a day, You can usually get through a game if you want to complete it in three months. So, like, it's a perfect way to play a bunch of games without having to, you know, capture a bunch of physical discs. And it's also a great way to try a game to see if maybe you'd like it. And if you don't, well, no harm, no foul. You can just delete it off your platform. So I really like Games Pass a lot. And I had downloaded a bunch of games from Games Pass on my Xbox to play. And I I just, I hadn't gotten around to them. Assassin's Creed Odyssey ate up 70 hours of my life. I mean, you, you allowed that to happen. Though. I did. I, I did that to myself. Okay, I fully, fully admit that. It was kind of funny because, you know, again, over the holidays and stuff, like I said, I was watching a lot of my 
favorite YouTubers and zero punctuation is one of my favorite things. And I was watching the entire collected zero punctuation episodes, videos for all of 2018. So it was like a four hour video uh, with no break. So it's just one after another after another. And Yahtzee got to the video that he did about Odyssey and going through the whole stream of Assassin's games that he's played. And it was really funny because Yahtzee had finished every Assassin's game except for Odyssey. Like Odyssey was the one that broke him where he was just like, actually, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm out. And didn't finish it. And I was the the opposite. I didn't finish Unity, but I'd put 70 hours into finishing Odyssey. And, you know, like I talked about last week, I, I just I I had the revelation where I was like, I'm I'm sitting here grinding through and trudging through this game, you know, because I've put a considerable amount of money behind it, but I'm actually not enjoying the game. I don't actually like the game. Like I I like Cassandra as a character. Like the the plot on paper makes sense, but I'm just like, meh. But I just keep doing it because it's at least something to let me turn my brain off. Like that's what had happened. And I stopped myself and I was like, instead of like putting more hours into completing these last really four missions in this game, I'm going to go back to my back catalog of stuff that I've downloaded from Games Pass and, and like, play a couple. Okay. And so that's what I did. So I played Bayonetta, the original. Okay. And remembered all the reasons why I love Bayonetta. It's just... Fly me to the moon, am I right? Right, right. I just, I felt in love with Bayonetta all over again. You know, the first time that I did the Joy's Pleasure Pony attack, I was just like, oh, the memories. It's so good. And I was just like, I need another Bayonetta game in my life. So hopefully, like, on the download, Platinum's been working on that because I need, I need that so desperately in my life. And I hope that it's not a Switch exclusive, but if it is, I'm gonna be there, yo. You got one, so... I do. So we can make it happen. But I, I played Bayonetta again, and that was really great. If you have never played the game before, it is a action, really an action platformer game. Somewhat story-driven, because there, there is a story. You're playing out a story. I think that it's, you know, it's an okay story. Uh, for some people, it might be a little bit of a twisty-turny story, I kind of saw it coming when I started playing the game, so I wasn't really surprised when the twist happened. Happened. But I really enjoyed the game. I enjoyed the gameplay. I thought that, you know, Bayonetta is a very interesting character. So she is a witch, an Umbran witch, and so you unlock new weapons, you collect orbs and currency in order to unlock new skills, and it's very much a, well, I say action platformer, it is kind of a brawler game because you can button mash through it. You know, you can, can. you can learn combos, but really it's, it's, I'm going to hit this button and 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 let's see what happens and hopefully like I kill some things and dodging. But it's a lot of fun. It's quick paced. It's quick witted. You know, it doesn't treat the player like a child. It doesn't lead you through the nose through the game, which I think is probably another reason why I like it. And every boss feels like a boss. You know, the the difficulty curve ramps up very nicely across the game. So you do 
every level have a fight that is tougher than the previous one. You don't have those weird lulls where, like, you're just able to run ramshod through one boss, and then the next level, all of a sudden, they're just, like, ridiculously punishing you, and it's because you don't have a weapon or things like that. That doesn't happen in the game, which is great, because it allows you to have a very natural-feeling progression through the game. I don't want to give the story away, but if you're the type of person that has played, you know, a Devil May Cry type game or Devil May Cry, you're going to love Bayonetta. Right. That's just a given. And I love Devil May Cry. And so, as it turns out, I loved Bayonetta. And I just love her style and her assertiveness. It's just a fun game with a good female lead. And so, who doesn't want a part of that? Plus, it's pretty. Like... Even in playing the back compatible one, they, you know, up the resolution a little bit, but not a lot. I forgot just how pretty, like, the environments were in Bayonetta for a 360 game. So it was a cool little experience to go back through and play it, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, you know, immediately I wanted to jump into two, but I'm like, ah, that was a Wii U game, and I don't have a Wii U, so blah. Guess that's not happening. That's not happening, but I really enjoyed it, and it was, a, you know, it was just a nice break from everything I have been doing in Odyssey, right? Right. So that that, that trudge. <laughs> uh, right? It was it was the anti-trudge. So I enjoyed that. If you have Games Pass or you're sitting on an Xbox, it is absolutely a great game, you know, to pick up and, you know, if you have Games Pass, you just have to download it and you can play it. I'm not exactly sure how much longer it's gonna be in the Games Pass library, but it's definitely a great game to play. In addition, in order to, like, get myself ready for it, Crackdown, the original Crackdown, was also available. So I picked it up. So I've been playing Crackdown. Of course you have. Because why not, right? Right. Why not? And and Crackdown is is somewhat of a... It's home to you. it, It really is. It's probably one of the first open world sandbox games that I played that I enjoyed. You know, because Crackdown was, you know, the first game, like, you started in an area. You didn't have to stay in that area. It was really for your best interest that you did to build up your skills and whatnot. But basically, you are a agent for good. And you are trying to sweep this city's clean of the gang filth that are overrunning it. Okay, there's a narrator who's always from the agency that you are an agent of, instructing you and also giving you pep talks and also sometimes talking shit if you idle in the game too long too, which I forgot, but it's always like giving you encouragement to keep boosting up your skills. So there's a little bit of a grind, but it's built into the gameplay so much that you don't really notice it. In the game, you have to run agility tests. There are orbs all over the place that you can find to build up your agility. The more that you build up your agility, the higher you can jump, the faster you can run. You can use different weapons. As you take out various gang members, they're going to drop the weapons they have. You can actually pick those weapons up and use them. You can also take them back to an agency supply shop, which will allow you to then have that weapon unlocked so you can go to any agency supply drop area to re-upload your ammo or change your loadout, which is awesome. So you can carry two guns and some kind of projectile. So whether that's a shrapnel grenade, a regular grenade, a trip mine type grenade that you can place that you can electronically detonate 
you know, you have all kinds of different options, which is really cool. Uh, there are also racing environments that you have to run through in order to build up your skills with driving. As you build up your driving skills, your vehicles get faster from the agency, so you can get to a point where your supercar is actually a supercar. So you basically just run through building up your strength, your driving ability, your proficiency using guns, and your agility to become a super, super agent so that you can take down all of these gangs. And, you know, it is somewhat stereotypical in that the three cities that you run through, uh, one city is filled with a Hispanic gang, Los Muertos. One area is filled with a, they say Eastern European, mm. but it was Russian-based, basically, gang called the Volk. And then the okay. final gang that you take out is a Chinese triad-based gang. Okay. So, you know, I mean, it was a little on the nose for its time, but you kind of overlook that because you get to a point where you build up your ability where you can literally, from the ground, jump and scale a tall building in a single bound. So you're kind of supermaning just a little bit. You get to a point where, you know, you build up your life bar because your agility is so high that you can jump off of any building and of any height and hit the ground and not die. Like, that's kind of cool. So you're running around being this super agent, taking out all these gangs and turning these areas from being drug-infested and gang-infested to being happy-go-lucky areas where there's more people on the streets and more cars on the streets. You get to a point where you can, you know, pick up tankers and hit people with them. It's just crazy over-the-top fun once you start building yourself up really past the second level on all of your skills. And it's just fun. Like, you have to be a little bit crafty in, like, how you go into area. You can't just Leroy Jenkins everything until you're super fucking cop. And, and it's just fun. And I had forgotten, again, because it's been so long since I played the game, you know, just how much fun it was and how free it was. Like, you literally could go anywhere. You weren't restricted. Like, even if you didn't have the high enough power level, you could still walk into the Volk area. And unless you pissed off a Volk member, you were fine. Like... The NPCs didn't attack you until you attacked them. So they didn't aggro unless you did something to make them do it. So you could explore all the areas and get to know, like, where all of the gang leaders were, where all of the buildings were, find out and see where, you know, different races were and different agility orbs were. And you could plan your attack of, like, okay, I'm going to take out this area, then I'm going to take out this area, then I'm going to re-up, and then maybe I'll go into this area a little bit. Like, you, you could do it in any way you wanted to. The story did not drive you specifically to any particular group or not group. It was if you entered an area, you learned more about it. And I really liked that. Because it let me explore the sandbox in the way that I wanted to explore it. Again, I wasn't led by the nose. You know, I would get these dossiers from the agency and I would learn more about the bad guys, leaders that I had to take out before I could get their kingpin. But it didn't force me to go after them. It wasn't like, okay, now that you know about this person, go get them, agent. And I was like, okay, so there they are. You can go after them or you can bulk up some more. Do your thing. Up to you. Exactly. And I and I really like that. And the game was also really interesting because it was quasi cell shaded. So like there was always this permanent like black border on your character and it kind of looked cartoony, but not cartoony. So it's just interesting to look at visually 
And then, you know, mayhem ensues because you get to a point where, like, you can destroy all kinds of objects. I was knocking down water towers to fall onto people and picking up big pieces of pipe and chucking them off roofs so that they would hit cars and, you know, everybody would scramble. And sometimes I would hit the peacekeepers, which are basically police. Right. And then they would be pissed off at me. So then I would have both the police on my butt plus the bad guys on my butt, and I have to, like, run and find a hiding space until, like, the heat died down so that the police weren't taking me out, and I could just focus on the bad guys. So I liked that there was, you know, friendly fire in that kind of way. But I completely forgot, like, the game also outside of the campaign had, like, time trials that you could do and run, you know, to take out, you know, a certain boss or a certain amount of enemies in a certain amount of time. You know, so there was a lot of replay value in the game, and and I really enjoyed just kind of, like, sitting back and playing this game and and again getting to learn it again and fall in love with it again as i prepare for three coming you know next month yeah because it's coming it's coming you know and and i don't know what it's gonna be you know i don't know if it's gonna be an homage to one or if it's gonna be you know something completely different you know i got to play a little bit of a level at e3 two years ago because, you know, the game's been in development for some time. It yep. did get a delay or two. And, you know, hopefully I think it was a good delay in order to, you know, get some of the mechanics to be right right out the gate. So it won't need a lot of patching. But two years ago, the demo that I played, it was very similar to what I have been doing right now in running through Crackdown Run. You know, I had this this guy that I was trying to get... But my entire environment was destructible, whereas before, like, certain elements in the environment were destructible. Like, in Crackdown 1, you you can't run up to a building and punch the building and the building fall apart. You can punch cars. You can punch people. You don't want to punch too many pedestrians because then the popo will be on your butt. But, you know, you could destroy those elements, but you couldn't destroy a building. Whereas in Crackdown 3, like... I was a beefy enough agent that I could destroy a building and knocking down the building might block, you know, people's path to me or create obstructions that they would have to get around. But it very much was still like I was trying to shoot and punch my way through, you know, groups of gang people in this one corridor in order to get my gun skills up and my agility up so I could jump to the top of the building and take out the guy that was on the top of the building. So it was very similar to, you know, what I had remembered from Crackdown 1. You know, and in in the trailer that I remember seeing many, many E3s ago, you know, it was about teaming up and, and putting things in place in order to get this cargo truck to end up going up this ramp and going through a building to take out this gang leader. So from what I know... Crackdown 3 sounds to be an homage to 1 and and picking up where that left off, bringing in the multiplayer, which I think, you know, Crackdown was one of the games that I thought did multiplayer well because it was ad hoc. Like, when we played 2, there were times where we were like, yo, you should jump on, let's play this game together. And you would jump on and you could come right into my world right where I was and play. And we could team up and run split screen and it was seamless. It wasn't, okay, let me go to a lobby and I gotta wait and then you could join me in the lobby, and then from there I can launch a mission, you could drop in, drop out. And I think that that's, for this type of game, the kind of mechanic that you want. You know, but even then, it was, you know, two people drop in, drop out. I have a feeling, or seeking suspicion, you know, that it's planned that you can have, you know, 
multiple agents drop in, drop out. And that could be very interesting in this world. You know, if if I've got a team of, you know, four or five agents and we're all level three, like there's a lot of chaos and destruction that could happen. Yep. Especially depending on who you have on your team. Correct. <laughs> you know, and so I'm, I'm excited about that. Like I have a very big smile on my face right now as I think about that because it can just be a lot of fun to to just be chaotic for a hot minute. And I think that's the thing that I take away and I love so much about Crackdown is it just lets me experience chaotic fun. And I think it kind of, it's a great, it's a, it's a great way to decompress also. Truth. Cause you know, you could just, you could just be silly. Don't be given no F's. Right. Like you ain't hurt nobody. The you, end. Right. Like you, there, you don't get to be silly in like Skyrim. Well, I mean, you can, but you're going to do, you're going to do it deadpan. So it will have its own element of humor, I guess. But I mean, like, it's it's not chaotic, right? Like, there's a very specific thing that you're trying to do. And, you know, there's multiple paths that you can get there. But pretty much, like, it is very much story-driven. And, and it's not like, I'm just going to run my horse down this mountain and we're going to be fine. And I'm going to roll into this house and the house is going to explode. Right. I mean, there might be a mod. There might be a mod for that. There might be a mod for that. I mean, there's a lot of mods, but you know what I mean. Like, it's not chaotic, just silly, over the top fun. Right. You know, Skyrim is a very, I I think of it as a very thoughtful fun. You know, okay. it is pensive. Like you are traveling the world. There are certain things that you're trying to accomplish. There's a me- uh, a methodology to getting through Skyrim. Right. Yes. Yes, there is. I There's, mean, to a, to a certain point. Yeah. Because I mean, I I think I'm. I actually didn't finish Skyrim. Now that I think about it, I was to my last dragon word, which I mean, I could jump into that at any point and get it. But I believe that I got to a point where, like, I pretty much had all the weapons I wanted. I had my dragon bone armor. I had like eight different houses and eight different areas. And literally, I just started getting to the point where I was trying to find ways to amuse myself in the world. And I think I left one of my stewards in a house to guard chairs. And I only brought chairs yes, to this one house. I remember your chair house. <laughs> and, you know, you you find ways to to, to have the, that silliness in a game that is so steeped in sepia and gray. And, you know, is not necessarily the, the game you jump into to play loose and have a little fun and get a little crazy. Like... You don't. You jump into that for its narrative. You don't jump mm-hmm. into that just to to be. I don't want to say mindless, but no, to, no, to but, be but, a little aimless, to be a little right. You know, like if I was to describe Skyrim in one word, I would say stoic. Yes, I think that's a great word for for it. And if I was to describe Crackdown in one word, I would say chaotic. chaotic. <laughs> yeah. You know, so they're they're not equal. No. No. You go to them for different reasons. And, you know, I'm... I'm it's just like ex- your bottom bitch and your top bitch. When you want experience, right. you go to your bottom bitch. Right. But when you just want to, like, play loose and whatever, you go to your top bitch because she right. don't know. Right. She's right. fun. She just fun. Right. And and that's, that's, that's kind of... I, I think that's the best way to describe Crackdown. Crackdown is my top bitch. For you. Yeah. Right now, you know, right. because there's, there are others that are coming. 
you know. Because <laughs> um, the other thing that I, I played was I, you know, also played the demo for the new Devil May Cry game. And... How was that? So... How so does he, it feel? Okay, so so I have to preface this. Okay. Because okay. I want to be fair. Okay. First, I'm going to buy the game. Okay. So they're like, getting your money. They're getting my money. Okay, because I have bought every Devil May Cry game. I bought DMC. I I was not happy with it. Hmm. But I bought it. I didn't. Okay, because you know, you know we both love Devil May Cry. Yes. And yes. Devil May Cry 2. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And mostly Devil May Cry 3. <laughs> I said yes. mostly. Yes. Okay. Because, like, the part with Lady in the library mission, like, that was dope. Yeah, that was Three. dope. Okay. Not not 4. No. Because fuck Nero. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, the the issue that I have with the demo... Okay. Is yeah. that you're forced to play Nero. That's it? You're forced, yeah. So in the demo, you're forced to play Nero and use his gun buster thing. Okay. Now, for me, if you're going to give me a Devil May Cry demo, which this Devil no, May Cry, hold on, hold on. They can't, they can't hold on, give let me Dante get, out the gate like that. Hold though. up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Okay. And you're going to give me a Devil May Cry demo where one you're promising that you know we realize where we went wrong and we're going to give you the the devil may cry that you want you've already told me in this devil may cry game that's coming i get dante i get virgil yes i get nero but i also get that new character v or whatever his name is if you're going to give me a demo that's supposed to wet my whistle and get me excited about the game then you have you play Virgil, and then at the end, then you he have me play Virgil, and then he meets up with Dante. Dante. Yeah. Okay, or you give me a taste of your new guy who's new to the platform to make me be like, oh shit, I want to play this dude, right? Like, right. You don't give me the wet blanket. Is he still as whiny as a? <sighs> he, he, so in the demo, he doesn't get to <laughs> whine as much because like it picks up. You know, in a mid-level, I'm guessing it's probably, you know, like a third of the way into the game. Okay. And and it introduces you to, like, Gunbuster and how you can use it, the two different busters that he has. And, you know, it's really just to get you comfortable with doing combos and trying to figure them out. So you already have, like, some abilities um, and things like that. And But he doesn't interact with any other characters. So you're literally just clearing a couple of rooms of enemies. Okay. Okay. Now, it felt... Like Devil May Cry. It felt like DMC3. Alrighty, that's okay, good. Which is good. Yes. But again, my only downside with the demo is you force me into the wet blanket as opposed to literally any other playable character that's in your game. Now, it did introduce me to um, the new arm support character. Uh, and I can't remember her name right now, but she drives a van. Makes me very much feel like Scooby-Doo because she drives around in a van like a Scooby-Doo van, but it's like, you know, painted differently. But that's who you go to to, you know, re-up your weapons, change your loadout, buy uh, items and things like that. And she's super funny. So it it feels like they got back to, like, the nugget of what made the Devil May Cry game just so enjoyable is that the characters were just very well put together. Like, Dante was just a badass who didn't care. He was, like, the epitome of the reluctant hero. 
Yeah, no doubt. You know, great one-liners, came off like he had a chip on his shoulder and you didn't know why, but, like, you fell in love with him because his one-liners were, like, shit that you wish you could say if you were going to be in a situation where you were going to be fighting a magma law, you know, spider. Right? You know, and then that went really silly somewhere, and now he's flamenco dancing with a rose in his mouth, and you're like, this makes no fucking sense. And it feels like they got back to original Dante and the original approach of these characters, you know, really being their utmost version of themselves, you know, of the stereotype that they're portraying. Mm -hmm. And it fits well, you know, which is great. You know, I love that the game seems like it's more balanced because Trish is back, Lady's back. Thank God, Trish is back. Right? You know, and so you have an equal amount of female characters in the game as you do to guys. And again, they're all, you know, super versions of their ego, which that seems right and and feels good. So again, Capcom's going to get my money because I'm going to play the game. My hope is, because I haven't seen anything that's told me otherwise, is that it's not going to be that, that, you know, there are certain missions that I have to play as this character or that character. Okay. I hope that I get the option. To choose know? who you go into the right. level with. Right. Like, I, I, I would like that. And that's not to say that, like, again... I don't like Nero. I just don't like the way that he's been portrayed. I don't like the way that he moves. Like, the gunbuster thing felt really awkward to me when I was running into it. I think that, you know, if I'd been playing the game with that character up until the level that I played, it probably would have felt more natural. But I was constantly, like, not aware that, like, I had used all my gunbuster things so, like, I didn't have an arm anymore. So I would be hitting the button and be like, why isn't he doing anything? And then I'd be like, oh, because I don't have that arm anymore because I launched it. The button that I hit actually launched my gunbuster across the thing. So now i got to go and find another one before I have that attack back. So I can only do these attacks now. You know, I, I lost track of that. So okay. I'm hopeful that if it is a switch-off, that you have equal switch-off, so that you have enough time to build up the character. Because the, the whole point of the game is you're always finding and destroying things to earn currency so that you can learn new skills, so that you can increase your combos, so you can get more points and currency to continue to increase your skills. And if I'm forced to have to mix up and play only a certain amount of levels with a certain character, then I'm not going to be able to like super beef a character. You know what I mean? Because if I have to go through a quarter of the game with just one character and a quarter of a game with another character, then I don't get to go through half the game with one character. So I'm not maxing them out. I don't have a chance to max them out before I get to end game. So then you're relying on new game plus, if you offer it, for me to max out a character. And I don't like that. I don't like being forced into new game plus to max a character. I should be able to, if I have to do a skill grind, I should be able to run from beginning to end with one character to do that. And then it's up to me to decide if I want to go back and play the game again and max out a different character. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're not wrong. And so, like, that's what I can't tell yet about the game. And, and as long as they'll let me, like, play the majority of the game with whoever I pick at the beginning, or at the beginning of the level, choose who I want to run through the level with myself, oh, we're at 100% gold. Because, like, I want to know V's deal. Because I mean, V's we're... skills are very similar to, um, remember in 
beyond two souls. We would mm. use the shadow skills to like pin people, and so like shadow spikes would rise up, and yes. you could use your companion power to get through levels. Yes. V skills are basically he manipulates shadows. This is me guessing. Because he does that. Like, he summons spikes and rides them. He creates these spike bridges to cross over areas and, and rides them like waves. And then he's got dark hair. But when he snaps his fingers, his hair turns white and he summons demonic power. So very much like Dante, it appears that he's got some part demon blood in him. I don't know if it's Sparta blood but it could be it could be and he can turn it on or off as he likes you know and so like i want to know more about this character and like where does he come from because you know in the trailers that i've seen you know he basically is coming to dante going hey there's a situation and we need your help and it seems like he's reluctant to say it so like i'm intrigued by it hmm and i say that to say that I went back in my Games Pass because Devil May Cry 4, Nero's Folly, was in there, as was DMC. And just to make sure that I absolutely hated both games, I played them. Didn't complete them. Only got like three missions in on DMC and about five missions in on the one with Nero. And I was like, yep, yep, these still suck. I was right. <laughs> Survey says, still yep. suck. Ding! Let's see it up on the board. Oh, still sucks! Number one. Number one on the board. Do you want to play or do you want to pass? I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass. <laughs> but I'm, I, it did make me more excited for the new Devil May Cry game. And it also made me wish that like the original DMC was on Games Pass. Because I would love to play through one again. I wonder if it would still hold up. Like if the the age of the question of time, yeah, if it would still, hold yeah, up. and if I would still feel the same way about the franchise, which I'm pretty sure I would, because we spent so much time after getting to that final battle. Like I remember for like a week, every time we would talk to each other, we'd be like, Trish, no, yeah, I remember, <laughs> I remember. So I have a feeling that it would. But it just, as I was going through these games of this experience, you know, it really made me think about, you know, there's so many remakes. It it just seems like the last two years, it's just been all about HD remakes and reboots of franchises that we fell in love with, you know, on earlier systems, right? You know, you, you had the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy and the Spyro Trilogy reboot. And then you had the HD remakes of, you know, the God of War franchise before God of War, you know, took the game of the year at the Game Awards. And, like, you know, I, I just keep looking around and, you know, there's so many games that have been getting HD reboots or being HD updated and, and re-released that I started to wonder... You know, when you look at some of the reviews that are happening in in the industry and when you look at some of the community reaction to games that are coming out, both in the indie side and also on the AAA, are we, as a the larger community, are we really shading and sometimes even shaming new games and new concepts because they don't remind us enough of 
the previous experiences within those genres or with those game franchises, you know, as an example, like if I looked at and played DMC and forgot completely my experience with Devil May Cry 1, 2, and 3 before it, would I still feel like it's a shit game? Ooh. Or is it because I have this known experience with Devil May Cry 1, 2, and 3, and DMC is not any of those things, that's why I feel like it's a shit game. Like, am I actually able to separate my bias? I'm not sure. That is a... I don't yeah, know. that's some deep shit, right? That is, yeah. Like, I'm sitting there trying to remove myself from, and I, like, I don't, I don't know. I you know, honestly don't like, know. because if you, if you, and, and I thought about this, you know, I went back and I looked at some of the old press releases I had about DMC coming out, right? And, and if you look at the game on paper, without any history behind it, on paper, DMC sounds like a game that I would absolutely love. Because I have a reluctant hero who's young, who's just trying to he's really trying not to get he's just trying to eat and right. sleep and, and food. And some weird shit starts happening and so he starts to navigate this space. He, you know, he gets these power ups, starts to understand this power that he has, has a transformation, like there's guns everywhere, they're snarky, he's edgy, like all those things on paper are all things that I love in characters, in my entertainment. You know, I I love the reluctant hero. I love the snarky fucker. Like, I do. You know, when the snark is delivered well. So on paper, DMC should be a game that I like. You know, weapon switching, working out combos, being rewarded for pulling off ridiculous combos and aerials, you know, fighting just trolls, troves of enemies and hearkening back to the brawling games of old. On paper, DMC should be like Gold Star A+, for me. Should be. And yet, in playing it, in, you know, my early review back in the day when I played through the game originally, which I never finished it, and I said that, like, it left such a nasty taste in my mouth. That's why I didn't finish it. I think I got up to the TV station boss, and I just was like, I'm actually really not interested in, like, finishing this, so I didn't. But, like, I shat all over that game. I shat all over that game in this podcast episode. Even after having the thoughts of, but am I doing it because of my love for... But previous games in the franchise, was I able to actually separate this Dante, who's supposed to be the prequel to the Dante that I loved, was I actually able to separate that or not? And if I'm honest with myself, no, I wasn't. And that that bias keeps me from finding anything to enjoy about that game. Like, I don't have the ability to find anything that I enjoy about DMC. The only thing I could say is I'm glad that it sold enough that it kept the franchise alive so that Capcom went back in to fix their shit. Like, even at this point, I still can't not shit on the game. You know, and it's because of that Dante's not my Dante. Right. <laughs> right? Like, being completely 100%, that Dante's not my Dante. My Dante is the Dante from legit Devil May Cry 1. Because, like, I equally played Dante and Lucia in two. Yes, I know. 
happened to Lucia? I don't know. I actually kind of like Lucia as a character, but I don't think anybody else in the community did. I don't did. think anyone I did. think it was just us who liked her. I liked her in her Diesel outfit. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever and I still was trying to understand. I was like, why did Diesel do this deal with Capcom? I mean, they needed some money. I mean, Capcom took the money. I was like... It didn't make me buy any Diesel clothes, mostly because Diesel doesn't make a size that I can wear. But I was like, I love Lucia's Diesel outfit. And I thought she was actually, like, a legit, like, good character. Like, I liked her storyline and everything. But Lucia didn't make the cut. (laughs) No. Everyone else came back. Everybody else came back. (laughs) Even Nero. Like, legit, I like Lucia a hell of a lot more than Nero. Hmm. But again... You know, it just made me think of there's so many games where we don't give the game a chance and it's because we're flavoring this new thing with our nostalgia. And sometimes we can't separate that was then and this is now. Right. Nope. I'll be the first one to admit that I I sit with my rose colored glasses on and if it doesn't give me the same feels as that nostalgia, I will completely be far more critical of it. And I tend to talk up the things that bring me back to a previous place. Mm-hmm. And and it just makes me think that, you know, as a community, we need to be mindful of this because it's a it's a dangerous power that we now have because the community is now shaping games, you know, it, starting with, you know, Mass Effect having to create that third ending because the community was so vocal that the two endings that the creators came up with weren't not right. Enough. Not how, enough. How, weren't how, right. How that to, forced how, them to go back in and build something that they had not intended to create. Who are we as consumers? Who are to we dictate the creators' actions? To tell us right. Like who are we? Like, yes, like we are the ones who buy it. Like I get it from that standpoint, but you know we don't make games. I mean, there might be some of these. There might be some of us that do. do. Right? But I feel like, you know, if it's not a trade that you yourself have a level of expertise on, I don't feel we have a strong right to tell an artist how to art. Right. And so that's <laughs> that. That's ultimately like where I got. I, I've been very, very introspective and retrospective. <laughs> It's probably because it's the beginning of a new year, but I, you know, really was thinking about, you know, how many game characters and game stories have been redirected because of community feedback, you know, and not to say that community feedback shouldn't be listened to. And if there are good ideas that, you know, can be value add to add them on. But like, there's been a lot of games and game characters that like the community has redirected, like Diablo moved into mobile and everybody yeah. lost their shit, right? Yeah. Right? Like, yep. everybody lost their shit. Yeah. At at BlizzCon. Yeah. Okay? And I'm sitting here going, but mobile is a hugely profitable space. Why wouldn't you want this thing that you love to actually be in a space where it can reach some filthy casuals? And start making did some... You, hum- did you, did you I say did. filthy casuals? Yeah, because I like that brand, too. But, like, bring in filthy casuals, mostly because I really want filthy casual to just send us some stuff. To bring in some casuals, 
that will bring in hundreds of thousands, if not millions of new dollars to Blizzard so that they can develop even more things on PC and console for this thing that you love. Like, that's where my brain went. I was like, this is opening up a whole new market who aren't PC gamers, so they probably would never touch Diablo to begin with. But because it's now on their mobile phones, they will will pick it up for short dollars, probably fall in love with it, be pumping in all kinds of money because of the microtransactions that just goes into Blizzard's pockets so they can do more stuff for, you know, Overwatch and Diablo and those other things that they do. Like, that's... Mobile's a cash cow. Why would you not want Blizzard to be making that money? I get if you hate mobile, cool. You don't have to play on mobile. Like, if if you're a PC player or a console player, if mobile's not where you live, you don't have to fuck with this. But, like, the vitriol and, like, how much they were being booed at BlizzCon to the point where, like, the developer was like, don't you people have smartphones? Like, don't you want, like, this to be able to, you know, play Diablo, like, during your commute that kills your soul because it's an hour and a half? You're not gonna lug your PC to do that. You bring up a really interesting point because, I mean, like, I went through a high Diablo phase. I know. I mean, I, and I played all three. But for me, and I mean, this just might be me being a purist, I would just be really worried about the UI in this, the how it controls on my phone. Mm-hmm. You know, because, I mean, I was very methodical about how I placed my hotkeys. Yep. I was very meticulous about, you know, the mods that I used mm-hmm. for spamming and all that type of stuff when I was doing battles or when I was in my cow levels or whenever I was, like, aiming to you know, do multiple repeats of a chapter because I was trying to get the rate drop of a particular thing to, to happen. Right. And I mean, you just, you you invest so much time in the plan and the execution and the logistics mm-hmm. of it where, like, case in point, like, I went through a Minecraft phase. Yep. Fa- fairly recently. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm a 34-year-old woman. <laughs> You know, it's okay. Everybody discovers Minecraft in their own time, you know, but, and I mean, and I was really quiet about in the beginning, at least. Yes, you were. Me, me being in it because I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a landscape for young kids. Like this is kid. This is what little kids do. Okay. And I rolled my eyes at it. So I was like, I will never get into this. And sure enough, I like really got into it. Like, figuring out, you know, because I mean it is it is the purest sandbox I think I've ever played where literally they don't tell you how to do anything and you just figure, figure that it shit out. out. Mm-hmm. And you, you do or you don't. And as soon as like I realized I was, you know, essentially God, you are God of your own biome then shit got real. And like the whole like and I'm doing the whole like mind blowing hand motion when I say this, you know, and I was like, anytime I got home, I immediately went to my Xbox and started playing it and I was playing it online and like my husband could cross platform on his computer and that was great. And when my husband told me that Minecraft had a phone version, I went and tried to tried to um, put it on my iPhone and tried to play it at work one time <laughs> and you know, not wise because of the line of work that I do. But 
I was on my break and I tried. And the the UI and how how you how you do it is completely different on a tablet. Like it's mm-hmm. it was completely foreign. And like for a solid week, I stopped playing it even on my Xbox. I was like, no, that is shitty. That is that is not good. You know, like it made me feel bad inside. Like the glitter turned into poop droplets, and the droplets hit my nice white shoes, and all I could see was the ugly. And maybe that's what is happening to a whole bunch of these people who are still playing Diablo. Because, I mean, like, I played through all of three when it came out on the PS4, I think, or PS3. But, I mean, I only played it for the campaign. Like, I didn't do any of the multiplayer stuff. I didn't do any of the competition runs. I didn't do any of that. Because, I mean, I was just curious about the story for me personally. But thinking about how much time and effort I invested in that universe... To essentially kind of see it get, I don't want to say dumbed down, because obviously, like, it's a totally different beast. It's mapped totally differently, you know, and I mean, they have a QA, you know, team for that purpose where they play through it. So clearly it has a state of playability, but just not to my gamer senses, maybe. And maybe it just, it's like that for people who are still hardcore into Diablo, where they're like, this just feels like a watered down money grab when they could be investing in, you know, Diablo 5 or like or a, re- a reimagining or re-envisioning of the the original Diablo, you know, going back to your, you know, these reboots and these readaptations that we're getting of our favorites, you know, why not go back to basics and give it a facelift and then kind of touch on some of the things that, you know, weren't so great about the first one that people like either chalked up as, you know, it's game of its time or made a meme of it. And it just becomes part of like the, the game's narrative lore. There's a lot that Blizzard could be doing with it. Right. And, and the thing is, is, you know, for anything that's coming to mobile, it was designed as a mobile first experience. So the, it's not a port of what happened on PC. It is something that's designed to work on a smart device that is limited, you know, that doesn't have a keyboard, that doesn't have, you know, quick keys and things like that. So, you know, again, it is a different experience and it's designed for a different audience. And if you happen to, you know, love a franchise and it has a mobile component, then, you know, it it's designed for that. But, like, it it just... The reaction to that announcement is what really put me on the path to, like, thinking about this, you know, because there's been the Doom remakes and the Quake remake is getting ready to come out, you know, Bethesda's been working on that. And and they did a Rage 2. And I was like, I didn't know that Rage 1 was all that popular because like, I, I had th- problems I didn't think with it. it was. I didn't make it past the second disc in Rage. The fact that it had multiple discs might also have been a problem. <laughs> You know, and I'm like, and it, and so I'm thinking like, well, if we're going to bring, you know, you know, the hits from the past back forward, can a motherfucker get a new bullet storm? Like, just, right? can I, can I get it? <laughs> Please? <laughs> you know, but, but also in thinking about, you know, how the games that I've played and the franchises that, you know, I've become a diehard fan of, you know, have they really flavored and biased me towards new things coming out in those franchises? We sit here and, you know, when they said that they were doing Kingdom Hearts 3, our first reaction was, please don't fuck it up. I mean, unfortunately, like, if if I'm going to be completely honest... and Please I mean, do. I, we, we established this show so I could just speak my mind this in all of its randomness. This is a safe space. 
I feel Square Enix has already kind of screwed screwed that pooch with Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. With with all with with the simple fact that in order to follow canon of oh, one, yeah. two, and three, Oy. you have to have played essentially all of the three DS mm-hmm. games. Yep. You know, and mean and I mean granted, you know, most people who've been playing Kingdom Hearts, you know, initially got it when it was exclusively on the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And then you know, when the big craze to have your DS or 3DS happen, like a lot of people, you know, liked to liked having a mobile console, so they grabbed it. But you know, people weren't really paying attention because I think the first few that came out for the 3DS were just rehashes of one and two remixed, so no one thought to be paying attention. You know, so I mean, there are there are pieces to that puzzle that a bunch of people who love. Yeah. What one and two did, who have no idea, and they're gonna boot up three. Yep. And, and be like, and kind of lost if they played one and two, because to your point, like I, I remember, like I didn't pay any attention to remix because every time I saw a remix, I'm like, oh, they're just putting the games together, and I already play them over here, so like I don't have to pay attention to that. But there were new things that they put in those remixes. Yes. As and and really I recall like Dream Do- Drop Distance was the first one where I was like, "Oh, this is new content that's like not in any of these games and I probably should pay attention to it." And even then, because I wasn't living like the 3DS life, I I really wasn't like I had right. one, but I was like, "Meh." So I was I didn't play it and I didn't play 357 over 4 days or whatever the fuck that one was. And and the fun, and the sad thing about that is is there's a lot of exposition in that game. There's a lot of exposition in all of them. In well, everything mean, that's on the 3DS, every yeah. game that they put out there, even the remixes had new stuff in them. Yes. So the and sad, so so the sad fact of all of this is, is that you know unless you've been following it from the you know and you've jumped console to console and you've played and replayed and analyzed and scrutinized over this. There are going to be parts of this game that you're not going to get. You know, so like there might, there's going to be some points of contention there. Yeah. You know, and then you're going to have the people who've been, and I'm, I hate to say this, diehard fans. Because I mean, I've been a fan of Kingdom Hearts for a long time. Yeah, but you really have to be a diehard to follow it to a different console and back. Right. So I mean... I've been, you know, and I mean, and anyone who's, you know, gearing to play it, because I'm gearing to play three. I've been waiting for three, but I also stopped after uh, 3.58 over two days, because I think that's what it's called, <laughs> and I do have it, and I stopped after that. I didn't get Dream Drop Distance, only because I was like, I, di- I wasn't sure how this was really going to play into the whole canon but then when I went, because I was smart, and found some, you know, reviewers out there on YouTube land who literally have pieced together this very broken... T- you think you think Zelda had a broken timeline, and I mean, actually, it's got well, three, but... Yes. But so that's you think podcast. That, you think that's convoluted, and I mean, there are books on it now, so now it's just quick notes. Try... Pe- like, I give these people credit for piecing together Kingdom Hearts because, you know... It is, like, fragmented. Yeah. Like, the best one that I found, you know, when when 3 finally got its release date, uh, Eurogamer actually did a video where they put everything chronologically in order and explained it. And I was like, oh. Mm. 
Because okay. at some points, things are happening at the same time as things yep. are happening in two. Yeah. Just the whole Ansem and Xehanort stuff. I was like, this makes so much more sense now. Well, I mean, the fact that, you know, Xehanort is like eight different people and has right. like eight different nobodies. Right. <laughs> And, like, Riku has part of Xehanort in him. Like, you know. It's just like, I, oh, Jesus. Just don't rrr. even get, don't even, don't get me started. And then, so, oh, so, Keyblade so was like one this, thing. Oh, wait, no, there was a war with hundreds yeah. of Keyblades. So here's the thing. Like, we will, before the release date, maybe even, like, the next podcast, we're going to go deep into, like, unpacking all that Kingdom Hearts is. Because, Lord Almighty... Y'all need it, because I needed it, because, whoo, there's a lot of stuff in there. But that that's just what's been on my mind and what I've been toiling over. And, you know, I leave you with a nugget of, you know, it's a new year. Do some introspection yourself. Like, I, I'm, I am challenging myself to really think about how I'm being critical about games and when I'm giving feedback versus just sharing my experience. Because it is very powerful now, community feedback. And... I don't want to, to your point, fuck with an artist's art. I just want to be able to appreciate the art. So I'm working on my art appreciation for games this year. Good for you. And that's all I have. How about you? Okay, so with the last ten minutes of the show. Oh, you got more than ten minutes, though. (laughs) I was, at one point, oh god, I've been talking about all these phases that I've gone through in my gaming career. So, I mean... Of course, I have to go talk about my computer, my computer phase, because I still kind of am half in that, half not. When I first started, like, dicking around with Steam, I was playing a game called Papers, Please. Do you remember me ever talking about that game? As a matter of fact, I do. Okay, so so I heard about this game that came out in 2018 that people were telling me gave them the same feeling that they had playing papers, please, which for those who don't know, um, like I said, it's on steam. It's a computer game where literally you are a citizen of this kind of broken kind of Russian E country. And you haven't had a job in forever, but you finally get a job at the border where literally you have to look at passports and stamp if the people who give you these passports are one or are who they say they are, and you grant them entry into Astroka. And at the beginning, like it's fairly obvious, and like, and they give you a little book that you can look up so you can see like valid passports versus not valid, and like you have to be looking, you're physically looking at them and passing judgment on these people whether or not you let them into your country. And at the beginning, it's fairly obvious the fake ones from like actual ones, but then. The counterfeits start getting really, really good. People start kind of trying to bribe you. And you only get three X's or you get fired. Okay? So, okay. like, so you can't just be like, everybody in or nobody in. Like, you can't do that. And some of these people who, you know, you know clearly have fake passports, but you learn why they're trying to get into your country. Like, you get one guy who, like, literally looks like a wackadoo. Like, he's a whack job. But, like, he's just like, he's like, my only family is there. And, like, I'm I'm running from the guns because the guns are coming. And, like, you know, the first time he shows up with, like, a candy bar and you're like, I can't let you in with that. Like, no. Like, (laughs) I need you to try a little harder. You know, and, like, and eventually, I think at one point in my game, he didn't come back. Uh-oh. So you right. So like the guns got him, you know, or like or maybe like I just stopped playing to the point before he returned with like an even better like counterfeit. 
But, you know, and some of them are like, you know, refugees running from bad countries or, you know, and it's it's a it's a game that really tests one, your ability to be able to scan fakes. But also it's a test of, you know, empathy on right. the on the player. And I really kind of dug that, like, a lot. Granted, sometimes I was really bad, and I would be like, no, you can't come to this country, and it's clearly, like, a politician who has immunity and really should have been in the country. But, like, you know... But you were like, fuck the police! I was just like, I enjoyed enjoyed that aspect. So the game I'm talking about briefly today is a game called Don't Feed the Monkeys. And, of course, when you hear a title like that, you think, oh, like, maybe you're, like, a kid at a zoo, and you're, like, in front of the monkey cage... And, like, your whole point is to not feed the monkeys because they will go crazy. Well, not exactly. Okay. So so in this game, which it's a point and click, very similar to Papers, Please, where you as a player are monitoring cameras for the game's version of the Illuminati. Okay. Okay. And, um, and, and these cameras are connected to cages, and it's your responsibility to just observe the monkeys. So you have Okay, wait, I just want to recap up to this point. So we're watching via video. Yep. Through closed circuit surveillance. Cameras that have been trained on cages. Illegally placed in people's homes. And we are just watching people. It, and the, one of the biggest rules is you're not allowed to interfere or feed the monkeys. However, clearly in the game, you will literally look at some of these strangers and see like, oh, so-and-so is waiting for a call from so-and-so. And you happen to also have a camera to so-and-so's house. And you see that they're not going to call. Like, you could hack the phone line and make one of the phones call the other one and then change the course of that monkey's future. Granted, that's not what you're being paid to do. Oh, jeez. This, that, just... I don't like the sounds of that at all. So, I mean... It's just, so, so I just got whole, chills so, for so a second. Whole, right. But the, so the whole point of the game is, you know, do you, do you follow the rule of the man... And only observe, or do you take matters into your own hands? And I mean, granted, like you're being paid to do this by the, you know, fake Illuminati because, you know, you got to get food and you need to pay your rent. And the session of the game ends when you can neither feed yourself or pay your rent. That's when it's game over. I've been playing a little bit of this. Now, have I fucked some shit up? Yes. <laughs> really bad. For, like, four dudes. Got four dudes, like, killed. By accident. Because I thought uh, I was doing a good thing. But you did not do the good thing. I so you put know. your nose where it didn't belong and people ended up dead. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and then I didn't So get what really lesson did much. we learn? Um, feed the monkeys smaller portions. <laughs> but no, but like, and it's and it's in that uh, that graphic-y style, very similar to Papers, Please, though this has a lot more color going on. I mean, it's just really fun because, I mean, I feel like me as a person in real life am kind of um, uh, inquisitive. Some like to call me gossipy and nosy. I would also... <laughs> 
I would like to remind those people to sit the fuck down and stay in their lane. No, I would just say I do like to put my finger in people's pies sometimes. Not supposed to finger people's pies. If if I feel like my finger is going to bring an added value, I'm shoving all my fingers in it. (laughs) You're only supposed to put your fingers in people's pie when you're invited to the pie. I just if if I feel like my two cents not will contribute pool. to you don't your go money, diving in. I'm just gonna throw my five. I'm gonna throw five dollars in and give you all my opinions. Look, this is not that's, a bag of weed. You can't put five on it. I'm gonna put twenty five on it, and that's that. So that's that's just it, it's just fun. It's kind. It's very much like a palate cleanser for me. Like it really kind of allows me to like step outside of my reality and pretend that the Illuminati would even consider hiring me. <laughs> I mean, Illuminati that, confirmed though. I mean, like I would. I think it'd be hilarious if one day at my job, like they're like, "Hey, the Illuminati wants to hire you to watch people." I'd be like, "I am so down. Give me, give me the TVs. Give me some pop tots." <laughs> Some Fritos and some Hot Pockets. I ain't going nowhere. I mean, here's the thing, though. Like, in a situation like that, I can so see you, like, not even, like, hesitating. Be like, we need you for a surveillance project. You sure. can't intervene, but we need... And you, like, before they even got all the details out, just like what happened, you would have been like, sure, where are we going? Where where, where am I going? Do, Are these my TVs? Like, is, how is my chair comfortable? Am I, Do I need to bring my to own overtime? Can I wear jeans? <laughs> But yeah, but it's available on Steam. You can totally play it. It's called Don't Feed the Monkeys. You know, it's not super gory or graphic. Like I said, it's very, like, pixelated and, like, has a really cool animation style. I mean, if you want to test your empathy and your sympathy for humanity, play Don't Feed the Monkeys. And that's it's yeah, as simple I, as that. Yeah, I, I, fe- I have a feeling I'm, I actually might like playing this game. Is it available actually, on Mac? And uh, what does it cost? So... I don't believe it's available. God yeah. dang it. But I have a I have a laptop that you can borrow to play it. And I already have it on there, so it'd be free for you. <laughs> it's I know. You could hiss all you want. It's I'm just fine. saying. I'm just saying. Like, but bleh. but if you wanted to, oh, actually no! It looks like they just they just released the version for for Apple, so you could in fact play this on you know Apple. Um, so if you wanted to buy it, you could buy it for twelve dollars, or if you get the bundle off of Steam, which has Don't Feed the Monkeys and Beholder Two, which I have not played, you could get that bundle for thirty percent off at eighteen eighty eight for two games. That's cool. I mean, the the thing is, I think it's really interesting where, you know, you can play games that do get in your think, head a little bit. I think I like games that make me really think about me outside of the game. Right. Like when you're when you're able to put yourself into the situation because I mean, you know, you are playing a character in this game, but you know, pretty much, you know, protagonists in games are literally vessels for us to project ourselves into to have mm-hmm. whatever that experience is. Like when you're playing Uncharted, you know, when you're playing that and you're playing Nathan, like you you're projecting yourself into Nathan, even though right. you know that that sprite's gonna do whatever it's programmed to do, but it you put yourself into it and you're along for the ride. Right. And I mean, but these ones kind of give you far more of a blank slate where really your actions are going to shift. You decide how things pan out. 
at the end of it. It's not just you controlling an entity. It's your... It's your experience. It's your ins- your instincts are shaping the narrative, which mm-hmm. I've always found highly intriguing. So, I mean, this was just kind of right up my alley. Well, and it, and it comes back to, you know, again, I tend to enjoy more and be more drawn into a game where when it gets inside my head or it gets inside my emotions and makes me have some kind of real world visceral reaction. You know, I had a very real world visceral reaction to God of War and not because, you know, I'm a parent because I'm not a parent had parents okay but i'm not a parent you know so i i haven't had that experience and yet you know i i've also not been you know a demigod me god you know it's not an experience that i've had but the reaction that i had was because of the relationship between the two characters there are many things that hit home for me or hit a nerve or reminded me of things in relationships you know with my parents or with other people that made me have a very visceral reaction and a very real connection to the game and the story and the characters you know and and that's why i have such strong feelings about the title versus you know other titles that have come out in the year you know i i had a very visceral reaction to senua yeah me too and you know it was because i've had some experiences in my life where you know i did need to talk with someone because I I had a lot of things that I needed to work through and unpackage and I didn't know how to do that and so they were manifesting in in different behaviors and things that weren't really me but it was because I I hadn't unpacked those things and so again a very real visceral reaction and experience from a game you know the same thing happened for me with Assassin's Creed origins for different reasons with Bayek, you know, and and it then also happens with, you know, other games. I played Celeste a little bit for the first time last week, and I had a very visceral reaction to it. You know, there is a game that is out now that, you know, I, I want to play through um, that I know I'm also going to have a reaction to called Gris, which is from Devolver. And it is, from what I've heard from my friends, a very emotional thing if you've gone through some things you know and so i i do think that i at this stage in my life am much more gravitating towards either the things that are going to make me have a very deep visceral reaction which tend to be narrative based games right or the pendulum swings the complete other side and i just want to turn my brain and my emotions off like there's no middle ground i either want a game to like emotionally wreck me or I want a game to just be Looney Tunes bonkers bananas nuts and I'm in right and I think that's okay you know yeah, like I I, I, fine. I think it's perfectly fine and I think that it's also you know again a beautiful thing that we have a space in a community that both those things exist okay for every Senua there's a crackdown. For every crackdown, there's a papers please. For every papers please, there's this don't war feed of the mine. Monkeys. You know, for <laughs> yeah. every, you know, this war of mine, there's a don't feed the monkeys. For every don't feed the monkeys, there's a valiant hearts. For every valiant hearts, there's a super monkey ball. Right. Right? Like there are those equals and counterbalances, you know, to fit the mood and the need for 
you know, your getaway. Because at the end of the day, playing video games is my getaway. It's where I go to relax and, and just kind of retreat from my real world job and stress and responsibilities and just, you know, hang out and have a fun experience. And sometimes I want that experience to be light. Sometimes I want that experience to be medium. Sometimes I want that experience to be heavy. And, you know, looking at the games that are coming out in 2019, that seems to be covered really well. And so I'm excited. But that's all the time that we have for this episode this week. I feel like it's been a good, good start to 2019 for the ish fam. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. You can get the links to our podcast right on our website, electricsisterhood.com. You can also get the feed for our podcast directory so you can get our shows as soon as we put them out on the web. You can also get our podcast through iTunes, either through your desktop, through the iTunes application, or through the podcast application on your iOS device by searching for the Eshcast and subscribing. You can also find our podcast on vognetwork.com, which is super dope and has a lot of great shows on there that you should totally check out across all things, board games, video games, anime, TV shows, you name it. There's a lot of great shows over at vognetwork.com, so please make sure that you check them out and also check out some of the shows that they now have streaming on Twitch, which is dope as well. You can also check out all of the other content creators that make up the land of ash and they are some of our most favorite people on the planet that includes our homie king baby duck over at b3crew.com and his bi-weekly podcast no borders no race please check out his website book market as well as his podcast which you can find in itunes it includes our homie hamsterman 2049 who is currently running around kiba kiba and i'm so jealous but we'll be back and we'll be streaming new content on his Twitch channel, as well as putting up new content on his site, smashedrook.com. So please make sure that you check that out. Also, the man, the myth, the legend, Phil the Issues Guy with Phil's Recap and Review on YouTube, as well as new content and new shows that he's streaming on Twitch that you can be a part of. You can check out his archive of shows, as well as reviews and previews and just editorials that he's done at issuesprogram.com. And last but certainly not least, our homies over at nerdcrave.com, keeping you up to date with all the stuff that nerds crave, whether it's comic books, anime, movies, manga, or more. Be sure to check out nerdcrave.com. You can hit us up on our social and let us know if there's something that you want us to check out or engage with our content. We're sharing all kinds of stuff across all these platforms. So engage, let us know what you like, let us know what you love, let us know what you want less of, and we may do it. Or not, it just depends. But you can find us on Instagram at ESH News, on Twitter at ESH News, and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Land of Ash. So follow us, share us, put us on your lists, engage with our content, hit us up and let us know if there's something you want us to cover or you want us to check out or think that we would enjoy or just want to say hi. We appreciate it all. We love talking with you guys on the regular. And it's time to be out of here. So, as always, I am Ninja Sista. And I'm Pandalicious. Until next time, folks. Titties.